Hello everyone, I wanna do this sex episode. Um but I wanna do it in a from a standpoint of establishing respectfulness first. So here are the characteristics of my healthy sexual relationships. The title is called Characters of Healthy and Unhealthy Relationships, but I want to first start off with how I am now versus what happened back then. So, my healthy sexual relationships include mutual respect. Respect means that each person values who the other is and understands the other person's boundaries. And I also dare say all parties involved because some of the sex I have is group sex. Uh, trust is another part. Trust is the second part of my uh, healthy sexual relationships. All partners involved, we do place trust in one another and we give everyone the sensible benefits of the doubts. Um, Okay, so, and then honesty is the third part of my healthy sexual relationship, because we know that compassionate, empathetic honesty builds trust and strengthens our relationship. Healthy compromise number four when it comes to healthy sexual relationships. In our casually dating relationships, we all do not always get our ways. But we recognize that we each should acknowledge differing points of view and we're willing to give and take in the name of equity and equality. Individuality number five. We all as partners should not have to unhealthily compromise who we are and our identity should not be based on any of us. We do recognize that we each should continue seeing our true friends and doing the things that we love and we do recognize that we each should be supportive of our partner going to pursue new hobbies and make new true friends good communication we each partner should speak honestly and openly to avoid miscommunication that's what we do if one person needs to sort out their feelings first, the other um, partners should respect those wishes and wait until they're ready to talk. So all these things I'm meaning to about is how my healthy sex relationships are. Anger control. We all get reasonably angry, but how we express it, we're sensitive to how it does affect our relationships with others. Our anger it is handled in healthy ways, such as taking a deep breath, counting to 10, or talking it out with a calm tone of voice with 
uh, healthy workplace. And there is no poor social skills at work. Um, we don't fight. We don't fight each other. We fight for each other. So fighting fair is not what we do because we don't argue. We don't yell at each other. We don't call each other nasty names or anything like that. When we have healthy disagreements, it's basically we, we should never stop talking about what we disagree on because we, we want to keep maturing our viewpoints. We don't bring up our disagreements all the time. It could be world views, life views, the basic things, right? But we are fair, we do stick to the subject, and we avoid insults. And the conversation never gets too heated because it never gets heated in the first place. But we do take short breaks away from each other when we feel humanly overwhelmed. And um, we avoid insults because we're focused on solutions instead of the escalation of problems. And uh, problem solving. We do learn to solve problems within the finding solutions by breaking a problem in small parts and by talking peacefully through situations. We have understanding. We each do take the time to comprehend what the other might be feeling. We understand it we understand. Understand is a new word, so I'm using that more. It just came to me that I should be doing that. Self-confidence. We do have health, appropriate confidence in ourselves, and it does help our relationships with others. Personal, professional. Uh, it shows that we are calm and comfortable enough to allow others to express their opinions without forcing our opinions on them. And we are role models, um, the good types. By embodying what respect means, we positively inspire each other, friends and family to also behave in respectful ways, whether they're chosen family or biological family, it applies. And our friends are true friends, we got true friends. And last but least, yes, we do have a healthy sexual relationship. Um, we engage in, in sexual relationships that are that are comfortable with and neither partners of pressure or forced engagement sexual activities that are outside their comfort zones or without consent. Um, and so, therefore, we have, so here are the unhealthy relationships that I saw in organized crime and that I recognize that caused me sexual chaos. So unhealthy sexual relationships. So unhealthy sexual relationships are marked by characteristics such as disrespect and control. It's important for you people to be able to recognize signs of unhealthy relationships before they escalate. Some characteristics of unhealthy relationships include 
sex uh, some characteristics of unhealthy sexual relationships include like control. One dating partner makes all the decisions, tells the others what to do, what to wear, who to spend time with. They are reasonably un- they are unreasonably jealous and they try to isolate the other partners from their friends and family. Um that happens when it came to a handful of the women I was having affairs with, that happened quite often in the world of organized crime. Hostility. One dating partner picks a fight with or antagonizes the other dating partner. When I say dating, I'm talking about casual and committed. This may lead to one dating partner change their behavior in order to avoid upsetting the other. That happened to the handful of women I was having affairs with, but that happened quite often in organized crime. Dishonesty. One dating partner lies to or keeps information from the other. One dating partner steals from the other. That happened to some ex- that happened to some of the women I was having affairs with, but that happened quite often in the world of organized crime. Disrespect. One dating partner makes fun of the opinions and interests of the other partner or destroys some that belongs to the partner. That happened to some of the women I was having affairs with, but that happened quite often in organized crime. Dependence. One dating partner feels that they cannot live without the other. They may threaten to do something drastic with events. That happened to some of the women I was having affairs with, but that happened quite often in organized crime. Intimidation. One dating partner tries to control aspects of the other's life by making the other partner fearful or timid. Um, one dating partner may attempt to keep their partner from friends and family, threaten violence or breakup. I gotta admit, some of the women I was, in, I was having affairs with that happened to them. Um... But that happened quite often in the world of organized crime. Physical violence. One partner uses force to get their way, such as hitting, slapping, grabbing, and shoving. Did some of the women I was with having affairs that happened to them, but that happened quite often in the world of organized crime. And lastly, sexual violence. When any partner pressures or forces the other into sexual activity, they will without consent. That happened to some of the women I was involved with. Affairs wise, but in the world of organized crime, that happened quite often. So, I wanted people to understand um, the heart of sex and the heart of being a person. When I say some happening to some, some when, I, when I'm talking about these things happening to women in terms of affairs and me being with them. They were never the instigators nor the initiators of those control, hostility, dishonesty, disrespect, dependence, intimidation, physical violence, sexual violence. Some of their partners were just all their part. You know, some of these women. That means that all their partners of some of these women that were male did were doing these things to them, and I would say. Once they met me, they dropped their partners. Sometimes they would break up with their boyfriends and sleep with me as soon as they broke up with their boyfriends. 
or they were like, okay, once they met me, all the issues, all the stuff with their boyfriend pretty much stopped because they're like, I'm ignoring him, but they weren't ignoring me, obviously. And um, I really feel that, um, I feel like, that I'm okay with that. Uh, okay with, you know, when I say okay with that, I'm talking about okay with explaining the contrast between my sex life now and what it was back then. So, when it comes to my on-screen career porn, there's going to be mutual respect, trust, honesty, healthy compromise, healthy individuality, good communication, anger control, problem solving, self-confidence, being a role model, a good one, uh, healthy sex relationships. And um, we, we don't need to fight there because we're not fighting each other. We're fighting for each other. And that would be how I am with my co-stars and the way we talk to each other. We focus more on what we agree on, just like my camera sex life with my partners there. And the stuff we disagree on, it's just minuscule. It's not worth blowing up over. It's little shit. And when it comes to my on-screen life, there'll be no no trauma, no traumatic control, no hostility, no dishonesty, no disrespect, no unhealthy dependence, no intimidation, and hell no to physical violence. Fuck physical violence and to hell with sexual violence because ass cracks do shit like that and so I figured that that all these characteristics of healthy sexual relationships I'll make sure that my porn entity will have those traits. And when it comes to the um, all the unhealthy sexual relationships traits that I just named, they'll be free from the porn entity I'm gonna have. And so I figured that that's the way for me to heal. Uh, so I'm starting there because there's more. 10 signs that I'm polyamorous. Number one, I have multiple romantic interests. I also have multiple sexual interests, obviously. If I, I find that I'm attracted to and I enjoy spending time with multiple people romantically and sexually, then I'm, I am polyamorous. This isn't, this is not a case of being quote unquote greedy or not willing to commit to one person as some people may ignorantly think. It simply means that my capacity for love, lust, and connection is larger than most people's. My love is healthy, my connection is healthy, and my lust is healthy. You know how it feels, how different it is from conventional brushes and sexual um, fireworks. 
buddies and romantic interests when you simply just don't get hooked on one person. That's me. Number two, I don't feel jealous at the idea of my partner being with other people. Jealousy is, of course, a normal human emotion when we feel like we're not getting full attention from our partners. But I don't feel any jealousy whatsoever at the thought of my partner being with other people. So again, that makes me polyamorous. And there's no cheating because we're not in a serious relationship of the polite society definition. And of course, we're not disrespectful in any way. And it just means that we are okay with each other sharing ourselves emotionally and physically with other people. And we know that they still love us and and lust us and respect us to make it more personal. And know that they still love me, lust me, lust me and respect me. And we're we're not liars. We're not deceivers. So we're really good on that. Number three. When I'm in a monogamous relationship, it just doesn't feel right to me. I tried to do monogamous relationships, it just never felt right. And that, of course, makes me polyamorous. It's not that there's anything wrong with monogamy, of course. Again, I am ambiamorous. I can do well in monogamy, polyamory. It just, it's just that monogamy doesn't suit me despite what social norms may say because my nature is of promiscuity. Ethical promiscuity is what my nature consists of. For some people, the idea of being committed to one person forever simply too much pressure is constricting for me. Um, the only source of pressure was the church. It, it was simply too much pressure only when it came to the church. And it did feel constricting when it came to the church because when you're on the autism spectrum, church, a lot of church people, like not unchurch people, they don't think you have sex, they don't think you get married. The economic injustice means marriage is either delayed or denied. And if you have a sex drive and you grew up in a religious community, that is unhelpful. And I am polyamorous minded. I'm keep saying that. When my when I picture my perfect future, meaning complete and mature future, there's more than one partner for me. When I daydream about my future, who I want to be with, do I see more than one person? Hell the fuck yes. Do I imagine myself being relationship with multiple people and feeling good about it? Hell the fuck yes. If so, then it's likely that if so, which is the case, polyamory is something that does suit me. This isn't to say that I couldn't be happy in an relationship because I could. But if I, but I do find myself constantly thinking about being with more than one person, and it's something definitely I've already considered. Number five, I've experienced an operation and it felt right. This is after 
college, okay, after that, I tried an upper relationship and it feels good, then, yep, I'm polyamorous, open relationships are not for everyone, but I found that I loved the freedom and honesty that came with it, then polyamorous for me. Of course, every open relationship is different. There are many different ways to do it. So, I do explore this further before committing to anything new about the open relationships. And usually the newness is in our favor. Meaning myself and my partners. Number six, the thought of being committed to one person makes me anxious. It makes me anxious because, not because of male pigness or anything, makes me anxious because it's like it's the traditionalists that cause the pressure like I said the religious people and all the people that make me feel anxious about being committed to one person because they're so archaic minded they're so um heteronormative judgmental puritans I can't if the idea of being committed to my isolation makes you feel anxious or claustrophobic or claustrophobic because of the church people, then yes, I am polyamorous. This doesn't mean that I don't want commitment or love in my life, it just means that the traditional model of monogamy is not for me. There are many different ways to have a committed relationship, so this you know so if this is something you're looking for to all the people who are looking for it, don't despair. Um, polyamory is the perfect solution for me. Um, plus, church people, a lot of them see things in black and white. I'm not saying all the church people, I'm talking about church people who are really into, like, purity, like, really, 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 really hard. I'm talking about them. And plus, we've all had, most people have had more than one sexual partner. Even if you're a monogamous person, you slept with someone before you got with your current partner. So we've all practiced having non-monogamy at some point. It's like you weren't always with one person. That's most people. And plus, church people don't understand that a lot of people naturally desire more than one person it has nothing to do with iniquity or sin. It's just some people are wired that way and it's not harmful at all. It's actually harmless. Number seven, I do experience poly other polyamorous people today. I am actively experiencing other polyamorous people today and I'm already polyamorous. That doesn't mean that I have to be in a relationship with multiple people right now. Um, all the time, actually. It doesn't mean that I always have to be in a relationship with multiple people all the time. Because there are times where I have seasons of I need time for myself, to the group, and then I have a relationship with multiple people. And... I'm actually in a relationship with other people. Um, several people, because for me, I can have my me time and our us time. You know what I mean? 
It does mean that I am open to the idea that I'm looking for something different in a traditional monogamous relationship. This is a big step to take for most people that they're being with someone who wanted to be another partner. It's just simply a no-go. A hell no-go if you are staunch in traditionalism. But for, but for me, all the signs are pointing to the fact that I am driven by that lifestyle, so I do explore it more. Number eight, being open and communicating honestly with my partners is important to me. Being open and honest about my feelings with my partner is important to me, which it is. I'm already following like It's important in any relationship, but, if, but because I have strong polyamorous feelings and I want to be able to talk about it with prospective partners, just my strong desire for this lifestyle. I'm an I'm an relationships are not completely fulfilling for me emotionally or physically. I find that monogamous relationships are not are not are simply not completely fulfilling for me emotionally or physically, then that makes me polyamorous. I've already done this soul search episode for not being fully fulfilled because if I have the capacity for monogamy and polyamory, go figure. Naturally, I'm naturally ambiamorous. If you're experiencing some of the other feelings and emotions during this post, which I do, I'm drawn to the polyamorous lifestyle because, you know, my daydreams consist more of multiples than singles. You know, one person, more than one person. Okay, number 10. I'm willing to take chances in love and, and I don't worry about losing the one. And again, I'm willing to take chances in love and don't worry about losing out on the one because I'm willing to have more than one partner and polyamory is definitely for me. This lifestyle requires a lot of trust, communication, and vulnerability, but because I'm up for the challenge, it is incredibly rewarding for me. So, what makes me polyamorous? There's no one to answer this question as I experience, everyone experiences polyamorous differently. For me, it's simply a matter of wanting to be with more than one person, not being able to commit to just one. For me, it's a way of life that allows me to experience love, lust, and connection the way that monogamy doesn't. It ultimately means that I simply want or have more than one physical and slash emotional relationship at one time. I find myself drawn to following this lifestyle that can force myself to an Okay, here's the universal truth that generally don't discuss enough. It's totally normal to fantasize about other people, even when, you, when you're so happy in relationships that your heart almost bursts every time your partner wrinkles their nose right before laughing at one of your terrible puns. Terrible, but then you find it funny. <laughs> that definitely does always mean that you want to act on those urges. That that might seem like a bad idea for a variety, for a variety of reasons. Yeah, sometimes I just think about other things. I can feel the urges, but other things are more important for me. Sometimes that's the case. 
But in some cases, and for some people, it's acting on these thoughts with the blessings and partners of really attractive idea for people like me. Enter non-monogamy. Me. Non-monogamy refers to relationships that allow people to have sexual and slash emotional intimacy with people besides their primary partners. Yay! People who may be interested in non-monogamy, meaning myself, include those who want to explore multiple facets of their sexual orientation, meaning that more than one sexual orientation, but don't feel as though it's natural to only love one person medically, for instance, that's me, or who don't feel as though it's natural to only lust after one person man, uh, sexually, for instance, that's me too. Fortunately for people interested in pursuing something like this, meaning myself, relationship models beyond monogamy are rising in mainstream visibility, which is where open relationships can come in. More people are warming up to the idea that it's okay to want to have sex with more than one person for life. Yay! <laughs> Forever is a really, really long ass time. But knowing that open relationships are a thing doesn't help much when it comes to figuring out if one might be right for you. Hmm, I'm already in love with this. Since every relationship has its own strengths and weaknesses, there's no one easy trick that will reveal if open relationships could be great, could be great for you and your partner. However, there are various tip offs that indicate if the relationship will thrive. Or crumble to shit, or be shacked to shit, or shit hits the fan after opening it the fuck up. To help you figure out where you fall, we reached out to experts in ethical non-monogamy as in being non-monogamous without being an asshole. Here are the signs they they say can hint at when it might and might not make sense to consider experimenting with an open relationship. Ooh, here we go. Here's where it can make sense to have an open relationship. Number one, you're both genuinely interested in non-monogamy. As, as the founder of the educational platform on script relationships, Stephanie Webb, PhD, often gets the question, how do I get my partner to agree to an open relationship? That's completely the wrong way to go about opening up relationships, says Webb. I, my partners and I, we are genuinely interested in non-monogamy. You don't get them to Webb, whose PhD is in communication with a focus on non-traditional relationships, and has personally practiced ethical non-monogamy for over a decade, tells self. Yes. Yay, Stephanie. We're part of the same community. That kind of phrase implies that one part one partner is interested in open relationship and trying to bend the other's will, which definitely isn't a healthy relationship dynamic for introduced non-monogamy in general. I motherfucking agree. Many people do not want to be in an open relationship, enforcing a partner is not a way to approach it at all, Webb said. Instead, the interest can be raised when I push. If the partner draws a line and wants, mon- wants monogamy, because that is what was initially expected in the relationship, it should be respected, relationship should end. Again, I motherfucking agree with her. With that said, there's a huge difference between a partner who makes it clear that they would never want any form of open relationship and a partner was interested in many time to understand how an open relationship would manifest. You goddamn spot on about that. Fears and insecurities open fear and insecurities about a new type of relationship style are typical. Board certified clinical sexologist Rada Lipscomb PhD tells self experiencing these emotions as a thought of opening up a relationship that's automatically mean it's not a good idea. That this could actually help the couple so long as they're able to communicate well about what the fears mean. Move forward at a pace that works for everyone involved, Lipscomb says. There's language to an exploit. Rhoda makes sense. Hmm. I'm gonna keep going. 
Number three, ready to communicate your ass off. That's what the fuck I do. A healthy open relationship does not start after a single talk. Opening a relationship takes so much time and work, Wet said. Properly navigating this new terrain requires a series of ongoing conversations where you and your partner discuss what you're looking to get out of the new relationship dynamic along any rules you need to follow to make that happen. Perhaps in order for... Okay. So far, so good with the brain, high brain power. Perhaps in order for, for you all to feel fulfilled and safe and open relationships, neither of you can have sleepovers by your friends tell each other because of your trust, have sex with other people without protection, have sex with other side to share at home. Okay, now we gotta expand. I'm okay with sleepovers. I'm okay with playing with friends. I'm okay with us telling each other details of our trust. I'm okay with having sex with others inside our separate homes because I do solo polyamory and when we have sex with other people there are proper birth control methods and usages yes and then discuss emotional boundaries too agree are you both only interested are you all parties involved are interested in having sexual connection with other people or are you okay with polyamory this allows for emotional connections and even loving other people too or loving other people too. We do agree on all these types of boundaries. We do. Because they know who I am and who they are. If they don't want to have... Like, for example, if they don't want to tell me about their trips, I'm okay with that. They're like, look, since we don't have a shared home... Um, you know, can we have it in their home? And I'm like, sure. Or if they have sex with people without protection, it's like, do you have at least one partner for that? If that's your primary, and I trust each other, okay. But if it's not your primary, I'm like, uh, you sure about that? That, that, that could cause some potential concern. Or if we had a shared home, Meaning that my home is like a second home for them. Then we could just then we do discuss how we go about sex with others. Certain rooms, yes. Certain rooms, no. Maybe depending upon their living comforts. Because you can have partners who sleep over sometimes. That doesn't mean that they live there. Live there. Just sometimes they do. Like sleepovers, right? So I was just referring to that. Um, number three, your relationship currently stands on the foundation of honesty and trust, which it, which it does. Every expert quote in this piece made one thing abundantly clear. Successful open relationships can require even more honesty and confidence in their partners and monogamous ones. That's the fucking truth. When a couple or a non-monogamous couple, you know, has this foundation... It's a lot harder for non-monogamy to harm their bond. Lipscomb says, without that trust or ability to be completely truthful, it's much easier for open relationships to exacerbate your relationship issues current needs. I just love her her critical thinking skills. For instance, if you don't trust your partner as so much as possible, you believe in when they say they always use protection, 
If you feel like you can't be honest with him, will you be able to share with what about an open relationship makes you feel most vulnerable? Which is the only way that you can get reassurance for those fears? In terms of protection, if I had somebody I really, really trust and I didn't need protection in, I wouldn't go around making that a habit. If I could find like at least one or two, the rest I need protect with one or two, it's like if you're really that good at not catching anything not getting you know, pregnant maybe but I prefer to you know use protection every time um and as for the fears we kill those fears one at a time through discussing how we think honestly and our being on the same page is what eradicates those fears one by one. Um, it's necessary that all of us are both feel comfortable discussing questions and concerns that I might have if I'm um, somewhat nervous. Otherwise, uh, our open relationship could implode pretty quickly. Yeah, we avoid the implodes and even any nervousness we feel, it's reasonable and it passes temporary, you know, it passes, um, and it lasts temporarily, I mean to say. Number four, and your partners have mismatched libidos or kinks. That does happen to me, but it's not a bad thing, it's just, okay, it's one reason why I get my open relationship needs met. Some folks have a partner who's not interested in having a sexual relationship but still desires emotional connection. Clinical psychologists can make an association of sexuality, of sexuality educators, counselors, therapists, certified sex therapists, telefirm, Pomeras, PS, PSYD, tell self. I haven't experienced that yet, but if I do, I will be overjoyed. This may happen when a partner falls in a sexual spectrum, is taking medication in sense of libido. Is too stressed from work to want much sex or for a number of other valid reasons. I mismatched those or kinks it could be we're both sexual people. Sometimes they want it more, sometimes I want it more. It happens. It depends on our schedules, which go through our minds. On a similar note, if one of you is all about a certain kink and the other has absolutely no interest, allowing one part of the practice that kink with others might offer a solution. I have not experienced that yet. Mismatched kinks can mean they want BDSM more than me sometimes, want BDSM more than them sometimes, so that's as close as I've gotten so far. Of course, these types of situations require honesty, trust, and thorough communication. Those are non-negotiable in good relationships, especially open ones, which are the, which is a goddamn-ass fact. Um, and number five... Um, I'm in some, some, I'm in a mix. I, I, I am, because I'm now open as a pansexual person, I have not, ex women. Some of the women I was involved with were bisexual. When in college, the affairs. That was another reason why they really liked me at the time. I didn't find it straight. I didn't care. Sometimes they would bring their women, mothers, 
me what I have to add. Um, if you're in a mixed or orientation relationship, you may already know that term for but just so on the same page. Mixed orientation relationship means that partners have different sexual orientations. I think it's awesome. I, I have experienced that. Now I get to experience it as a healed person. I say you realize you're bisexual to put a relationship with someone of the opposite sex and they want to explore the attraction of the same sex with people like your partner don't want to break up. I'm already prepared for that, whether it happens to me or anymore at the same time. Couples in the spot sometimes incorporate their differing sexual orientation when handling out of relationship goes primary and says like doing that one person gets feel free to hook up with their own sex by their partners. For me, when it comes to myself, LGBT plus partners, wherever they want to hook up with, I, you know, the sexual orientation, sexual orientations are cool with me, the gender is cool with me, the sex characters are cool with me. They get to decide how they're going to be with that, and I get to as well. Here's why opening a relationship, I mean, So that's what works for me. And my non-monogamy is not in direct response to infidelity. My relationships are not already on the brink of ending. And there is no such thing as we can't handle jealousy, okay? But that really, really needs to be uh, communicated. I just wanted to discuss those things. And now I'm still learning how to be more of a fan of myself. Um, And so I think I'm going to just conclude the episode. 
because I see it this way, right? Now you understand why being a, a global porn icon works for me too. Because if because I'm a healthy hypersexual, a healthy voyeurist, and a healthy exhibitionist. That's why that's why ethical promiscuity on camera and off camera works wonders for us all, myself and them. And you know, I just wanna say now that I shared the big things I really, really wanted to share. I think I'm, I can share more. I could definitely share more. I just want to say that when it comes to my sex life, we give each other regular positive affirmations, we practice mindfulness and meditation, we work on truthful communication with each other, and um, we absorb each other. And our mind, and our mind is our biggest sex organ. Um, we're into the groove, and we're not in our heads. When it comes in the sexual setting, or the beds. <laughs> and, um, I figured out uh, when it comes to like my uh, porn career, I do see I don't think I'll get an agent because I don't want anyone taking a cut of my money. And as a manager, I still feel like I just don't want anybody taking a cut of my money again. I have a healthy team of people. I'm like, just don't take a cut of my money, man. Help me, but do not take a cut of hell. Because I'm, I'm the type of person, I want to be my own manager and my own agent. I want to take a cut of my own money. <laughs> And, uh, 
for me, I'm into healthy exhibitionism, which is a sex-positive celebration of the erotic and should not be confused with exhibitionist disorder, says AASECT certified sex therapist Indigo Stray Conger LMFTCST. Importantly, this consensual kink is completely different and separate from the mental health condition known as exhibitionist disorder, which involves deriving the current and intense sexual arousal from the exposure of one's genitals to an unsuspecting person who is strange or strict on The key difference is in the lack of consent to distress the person to put them out their own side. Most of us have a little bit of exhibition streak in us. Just like anything else, the psychology system the spectrum is perfectly normal and healthy. Rangalava has that stuff in the I do fantasize about being watched. And I really remember if my sexual self involved being observed. And I do like the idea of burlesque stripping other sexy forms of culture. I enjoy putting on shows for my partners. Um, I dress sexy in order to pull attention. I love bringing my partners with me when we go for shopping, especially for grown-up clothing, if you know what I mean, essentially. Keep the lights on on the show, we do that. Add sexy garments or shoot these elements moving clothes that do that starting around my fantasy before introducing the room the real thing hell yeah do that try mutual masturbation that's what we already do try sex party group sex and then that's what the fuck we do mm. and i love all and i love my partners doing all these things And being seen naked and recalling that memory as an adult evokes an erotic feeling for me. Of course, I'm talking about the consensual sexual relationships I've had. And I engage in responsible voyeurism. Voyeurism is a fairly popular genre of pornography, and there are plenty of scripted options that involve consenting parties. These things simply allow me to watch from my voyeur's point of view. Podcast. I've downloaded some erotic podcasts using my imagination because those podcasts where I'm listening to people engaging in sex activity follow along with the story told from the perspectives of voyeurs and Sonic Erotica has some options that have gotten me started. As for role playing, I talk about role playing when I consider new partners. And we set up any number of scenarios that interest us because we watch from a distance and even we're, we're going to be video recording soon. 
Make sure everyone's on the same page about boundaries, what to expect, that's what we see. The role playing right in the I do watch my consenting parties are dressed, be naked, engage in sexual activities. And they do know they're being observed. And it's not a violation of their privacy. Other than their home or other private areas because they like it when I watch. And hell the fuck, no, I'm not a peeping Tom. I'm not a peeping ass Tom. each other how we want to feel too when it comes to sex. We help each other explore our sexualities, our sexual inner lives with tranquility. We have no sexual knowledge gaps because we have the vocabulary to particularly properly articulate what we want and need sexually. And we're wise and skilled at comprehensive sex education. And we express our needs and our wants without a whiff of shame. We're fully comfortable with our bodies and our souls. And we are no hose barred in a compassion when it comes to how we want to feel, need to feel, how we want to think, need to think how we want to say and want to how we want to say and how we need to say what we do say how we want to think and what to think those are all beautifully pleasurable to us us all involved and um, that being said I'm gonna say this. I'm really gonna be gonna be uh, I wanna make sure I'm not leaving anything out because that would be hard for me. Awards, Transgender Erotica Awards, Youth Urban X Awards, 
X is with XRCO Awards. And the Gay Vienna Awards. And the Grabby Awards. Ooh. I'm just in my happiest place right now. So in closing, I just want to say that I am proud to be queer and non-binary and my hypersexuality means I want to have sex countless I want to have ethical sex countless times with countless ethical sex partners but there is no sexual hurt, sexual habit, sexual hangups that are reigning supreme over my flesh or my spirit. So I look forward to participating in um, I look forward to participating in heterosexual pornography, cisgender pornography. I look forward to participating in trans pornography, gay pornography, non-binary pornography. Because for once in my life, I feel completely good about being transgender and partly transsexual.
because of my humanitarianism. Because I humanize myself, people who aren't the same as me. Those in the sex industry, I humanize my viewers, my fans. When it comes to all the genres of porn that I told you about that I will do, I know in my heart that I'll be the greatest porno star and the greatest porn superstar when it comes to all porn genres that are ethical and legal. Now we're going to conclude the episode. As soon as I say that I'm proud to be the first autistic Porn superstar. I'm going to be the first autistic porn legend. I want to talk about why I discussed um, the sex a lot in the episodes I have done. I want to tell you that, grow, you know, let's start with how it made me feel. When it came to talking about these sex episodes, I definitely felt a sense of sadness, fear, and anger. Because the curse of enjoyment is what occurred and there's more I have to say um okay um I did engage in affairs affair is a sexual relationship between two people, one or both of whom are married to someone else. I engaged in love affairs. An intense enthusiasm or liking for something, a romantic or sexual relationship between two people, especially one that is outside marriage. Um... I engaged in romance. Um, 
Romance is a feeling of excitement and mystery associated with love, a quality of feeling of mystery, excitement, and remoteness from everyday life. A medieval tale dealing with a hero of chivalry of the kind common in romance languages, to court, to woo, and another term for romanticize. Uh, I engaged in flings. Um, trying to find the most respectful definition for the word fling. So, um, it won't come out derogatory. Uh, a fling, flings mean hookups, okay, so I guess you know, casual, brief love affairs, if you will, and I did engage in, um, A short period of enjoyment or wild behavior. Um, not glorifying it, I'm just telling you that this is how I was feeling at the time. I did engage in flirtation. Uh, behavior that demonstrates a playful sexual attraction to someone. A short or a casual relationship. A short period of casual experimentation with their interest in a particular idea or activity um I did engage in philandering philander of a man readily or frequently entering into casual sex relationships with women I'm just describing my college years and I did engage in womanizing of a man engaged in numerous casual sexual affairs with women. Um, I did engage in dalliances, a casual manic or sexual relationship. Uh, brief or casual involvement with something. Uh, Wow, I'm just being honest about what happened to me at the time. Um, whew, this is very painful. I did engage in liaisons. Uh, a sexual relationship, especially one that is secret and involves unfaithfulness to a partner. Uh, damn. Um, I did engage in entanglements, um, whew, this is fucking painful, a complicated or compromising relationship or situation, oh shit, uh, fuck, <laughs> it's just, it hurts that goddamn bad, um, I did engage in, um, damn it, romantic 
entanglements. A romantic relate or sexual relationship between two people who are not married to each other, but the women usually were married to somebody else. It's a complicated or difficult romantic relationship or situation. Okay. Shit. I did engage in relations, which means sexual intercourse. Um, at that time, I was engaging in sex, sexual intercourse, full-blown intercourse, love-making, making love, sex acts, sexual slash vaginal slash anal penetrations, like, you know, oral sex and mating, coitus, coition, copulation, fornication, uh, carnality, carnal knowledge, uh, uh, commerce, which means sexual intercourse, as an archaic term for and social dealings between people. Uh, and then there was Congress, which can be an archaic term for sexual intercourse for some people. So, yeah, I did engage in intercourse, interactions, contacts, connections, relationships, communication, associations, and dealings, and links. Connections, relationships, associations, links, correlations, correspondence, parallel tie-ins, tie-ups, alliances, bonds, interrelations, interconnections, interdependence of relevance, applicability, application, reference, persons bearing on and regards. Those things happen within that part of my life too. Not glorifying, I'm just giving you the dictionary terms for what happened to me. I did engage in uh, attachments, um, an affectionate relationship between two people, affection, fondness, or sympathy for someone or something, the action of attaching something, extra part or extension that is or can't be attached to something to perform a particular function, and I engaged in affairs of the heart. Um, I engaged in involvement, uh, affair, slash, decoyer, as well as intrigue, and I was a more. That means I was a secret or illicit love affair and lover. Um, with them to them, I was their lover, um, a partner in a sex romantic relationship outside marriage, a person who likes or enjoys something specified, I was their 
partner, a person whom one has sex, a lover. Um, either member of a married couple or an established unmarried couple to be the partner of either a, of a pair or people engaged together in the same activity. I was their boyfriend. Um, I was their darling, their love, their beloved, their sweetheart. I was their other man. I was their man. And you can tell by the way I'm saying it that I'm not proud of any of this. Um, and you can feel the awkwardness in my voice. I just want you to know that, that this, this is coming from the heart. I was a paramour, which means I was a lover and illicit or secret lover. I was a lover, especially the illicit partner of a married person. Um, I was the kept man. I was their gigolo. I was their sugar baby. This is so fucking awful. I was a, um, they were my enamoratas. That means they were my, my female lovers. Um, uh, I need to goddamn breathe. Um, I was their help me, their help made their companion. I was their enamorata, which means I was their male lover. Um, I was their young man. They were my lady friends. They were my lady loves. They were like my true love, my loved one, my love, my dears, my dear ones, my darling. Some of them were my young ladies. They were my woman friends. I was their man friends. We were each other's admirers and worshipers. Um, we were each other's booze, B-E-A-U, which means a male container friend with one who has a sexual romantic relationship with their bows or booze, whatever you want to call it. I was boyfriend sense, dandy sense to them. Um, I was the love of their, we were to love each other's lives, the apple of one, apple of each other's eyes, we were the objects of each other's affections, we were each other's ah, uh, this is so painful. Um, we're, I was their gallant, their young man of fashion. I was like their ladies' men and their suitor. 
I was of in, in in you know in our thoughts we were I was of a man or my behavior giving special attention respect to women chivalrous. Um, I was a man. I'm you know the man who paid special attention to women. I was their significant other. I was their um, I was basically their concert contained in particular like the most important partner of a reigning monarch monarch habitually associating with someone yeah yeah with them um Because we, I would have sleepovers at their home sometimes. Sometimes I would say live in lover because the husbands are often out and away. Sometimes barely at home. So I would sleep over there. And um, which means there was sex not just all day, but all night and all early in the morning. Um... I hate this. I hate this. But damn it, I, this is for my healing. Um, we had affairs. A love affair. A-F-F-A-I-R-E. Wow. So. I want to be honest about why I'm saying all these things. So basically I had. Relationships, love affairs, romances, flings, flirtations, dalliances, liaisons, entanglements, romantic entanglements, involvements, attachments, affairs of the heart, intrigues, relations, affairs, ending with E, affair, death, slash, decor, amour, um, um, with women, with women's mothers, women's granddaughters, women's grandnieces, women's nieces, women's daughters, um, women's lady cousins, um, women's grandmothers, women's godmothers, women's goddaughters, women's godnieces. Um, with women's mothers, um, with women's aunts, women's friends, um, women's, their friends were women, uh, women's coworkers, meaning women, uh, women's talk buddies that were women, women's hangout buddies that were women, women's drinking buddies that were women, um,
I think um, with um, with women's uh, neighbors, women's sisters. Chosen fam, like chosen family to the women that were women, women's true friends that were women, women's close and clo- close friends and closest friends, all women, women's best friends that were women. Um, there was never any incest on any of our parts, even though we all knew that I was involved with women and the women lives and the other women lives of these women. Um, they didn't talk about it for very long because it would have been awkward to share that even though we're family, meaning them, it's like they're family to each other, but I mean, it'd be weird to talk about y'all sleeping with the same person. So it was just acknowledged, yes, we're all sleeping with this person, but they never really talked about it, talked about it because they've been grossed out by you're, you're, you're my such and such, like family. I don't, don't want to know. I don't want to know. And they had that approach with each other. And I did all these things because um, I want to be honest. Because of organized crime, I was all around wounded. All around injured. All around hurt. All around damaged. All around harmed all around just maimed, all around mutilated, all around disabled, all around incapacitated, all around scarred, all around lacerated, all around cut, all around cut to ribbons, all around grazed, all around scratched, all around gashed, all around tears, all around more tears, all around torn apart, tear apart, all around hacked, all around ripped, all around punctured, all around pierced, all around stabbed, all around slashed. I'm talking about my mind, my heart, my soul. And because they were also experiencing injuries, lesions, cuts, gashes, lacerations, tears, rents, punctures, slashes, sores, grazes, scratches, scrapes, abrasions, bruises, contusions, traumas, and traumatism of their minds, their hearts, and their souls, too. We were all um, crushed, shattered, smashed, broken, mangled, deformed, um, scathed victims of mischief. That's why everything happened. We were all experiencing feeling diminished, undermined, impaired, impeded, weakened, and feeble. Experiencing the bad effects of the traumas, experiencing negative effects of the traumas. We felt like we were done harm to. We felt marred and ruined and blighted and blemished and besmirched and tarnished and blackened and spoiled and vitiated. 
Um, we were victims of being done injustice or wrong to. We felt we're suffering uh, inner harm of damage to a part of our spirits. And we felt that we were done mental harm or damage to us. So we were operating wrongly out of past wrongs, past done injuries to, which happened against us, past injustice to us, past offenses against us, past being detrimental to us against us. It was out of abuse and maltreatment and mistreatment, ill treatment, being treated badly, ill use of the past. And so that is exactly what occurred. And the statutory rape by women that I experienced in my adolescence, I think, may have that experience in my adolescence and witnessing it in organized crime it um it did absolutely uh cause me to experience uh blue devils Blues, dejection, depression, desolation, despondency, um, despondence, despond, disconsolateness, dispiritedness, doldrums, dolefulness, downheartedness, dreariness, dumps, forlornness, gloom, gloominess, glumness, heartsickness, joylessness, melancholy, miserableness, mopes, mournfulness, oppression sorrowfulness and unhappiness and how they were mistreated the women I was involved with they were victims of both male misogyny and female misogyny which caused them melancholia melancholia self-pity anguish dolor grief mourning somberness sorrow woefulness agony distress pain misery woe wretchedness discouragement disheartenment Moodiness, despair, desperation, hopelessness, self-despair, boredom, annoy, tedium, dismalness, drear, morbidness, moroseness, morosity, regret, and rude. Um, I, too, was a victim of I, too, was a um, victim of male misogyny, female misogyny, started organized crime. So I was robbed of blessedness, bliss, blissfulness, cheer, cheerfulness, cheeriness, delight, ecstasy, elatedness, elation, euphoria, exhilaration, exuberance, exaltation, felicity, gladness, gladsomeness, glee, gleefulness, happiness, joy, joyfulness, joyousness, jubilation, pleasure, rapture, rapturousness, gaiety, uh, humor, jollity, joviality, lightheartedness, merriment, merrymaking, mirth, mirthfulness, gayness in the archaic sense meaning of good cheer, uh, hopefulness, optimism, sunniness, enjoyment, content, contentness, and contentment. And 
day, meaning the women that I was with were robbed of, uh, delight, they were robbed of healthy delight, healthy gratification, and healthy satisfaction. They were, um, They were robbed of buoyancy, um, jauntiness, and springiness as well. I would say that hopefully their sex lives now and mine now are both filled with brightness, cheer, cheerfulness, chirpiness, effervescence, fricky, frisk, good friskiness, pizzazz, good pizzazz, uh, sparkle, spirit, verb, vivaciousness, vivacity, eagerness, ebullience, ebulliency, enthusiasm, keenness, spiritedness, and pishness, pertness, and playfulness. Um, and I hope that our lives overall are filled with healthy animation, healthy briskness, healthy jazziness, healthy aliveness, healthy lustiness, healthy peppiness, healthy robustness, healthy sprightliness, healthy vibrance, healthy vibrancy, healthy vitality, and healthy figures. So... I do want to say that there's nothing wrong with fornication. There's nothing wrong with premarital sex. There's nothing wrong with casual sex. There's nothing wrong with non-monogamous sex. There's nothing wrong with, you know, the hookups, hookup culture. Um, It was just that those things are all bad when it comes to organized crime because of the pure evil within those organized crime figures. But outside of organized crime, it's all good and all wonderful um, because of the pure good within those people. So I wanted to make it clear that I do acknowledge the great areas of adultery um, within my life because I must admit when I when when it came to the affairs it was never done out of being a male pig it was never done out of being a male misogynist it was never done out of being a male sexist. It was never done out of male sh- uh, chauvinism. It was never done out of male machismo. It was never done out of male bravado. It was never done out of male abuse to women. Um, it was never done out of toxic masculinity. It was never done out of cis heteropatriarchy. It was never done out of cis sexism. It was never done out of heteronormity. It was never done out of uh, heterosexism. It was never done out of misogynoir. It was never done out of transmisogynoir. Um, it was never done out of 
racism is never done out of um, sexual racism. There was no sexual misogyny. There was no sexual queerphobia. There was no. It was never done out of hypermasculinity. That's I never did the affairs because of that. I did the affairs not promoting what happened or just explaining the truth of what occurred so many people can experience healing. And I really do mean that. I, I say this so people can really, really heal. Um, I did it out of, I just wanted to show women and them in particular, gentle manliness. Um, I wanted to show them chivalry. I wanted them to show. I wanted to show them phylogeny. Um, I wanted to show them gentle manlikeness and, and being gentleman like and gentle manliness. Um, I wanted to be a chivalrous, courteous, and honorable man to them. So those are my pure intentions in that regard. However, the immoralities we were doing, um, tainted our intentions because their intentions was to be good women to me, um, to revere me, to respect me, it had nothing to do with my race, my skin color, nothing to do with my genitals, had nothing to do with um, stereotypical masculinity, enjoyment, it had nothing to um, it had nothing to do with um, Hatred of men it had nothing to do with hatred of black men at all. In fact, they all appreciated me for me um, in the sense that we talked about it because they were white women and Latinas. And we talked about how we have to appreciate each other for each other. It shouldn't be about race. It shouldn't, it shouldn't be about racial characters, it shouldn't be about racial stereotypes, and we shouldn't apply sexual racism to our sex life, we shouldn't be doing that, it shouldn't matter what our genitals look or look not like, as long as we take excellent care of ourselves, who cares about size, or, you know, who cares about the appearance, I don't care if your hair or clean shaven or hairless, it, we didn't, it didn't matter. And when we talked about it, it meant a lot to us to talk about it. It's like, you know, I don't want to be a piece of meat. And we're very sensitive to not being a piece of meat to each other. We were sensitive about um, not being a piece of dick or a piece of ass or a piece of pussy to each other. Um, we talked about it. It was like, yes, we do have sex, but we're not going to treat each other with disposability. Now, fortunately, um, we didn't have 
the healthy um, social skills to be appropriate with each other 100%. So we were temporary in each other's lives. It had nothing to do with it had nothing to do with I'm gonna just use you just to use you. It was a lot some trauma survivors meet each other at the wrong time and that's unintentional. And sometimes we're so hurt we don't know how to be appropriately good to another person that's also been traumatized. So I'm acknowledging that um Any harm that was caused, it wasn't be evil just to be evil or be toxic to be toxic. It's like when people are traumatized and people can't understand, I'm not defending anything. I'm just saying that good intentions can be clouded by immorality, unintentional. The sex wasn't because... I just want to cause pain because I feel like being a dumpster. It's not that it's, I, we don't know how to do anything different. We don't know how to go about things in a completely healthy, different way. We're doing the best we can with what we know how. And that happens for even for some older people. I'm not defending anything, but again, People do things um, because that's what they know how. And, you know, even though I was in therapy at the time, I still dealt with the problem of repressed memories. This year, all the memories have come out. So I've released them. And, and, you know, I'm always open to getting, you know, trained help. I will never completely close that door. I'm always open. I need help, that kind of help, I'll definitely go get it. But at the time, I had repressed memories, so I couldn't fully explain to my college therapist what was going on. And ever since I started the book and published it, and ever since I started podcasting, repressed memories come back and I'm able to turn them into episodes. So I want people to know that you do have good-hearted people who've been traumatized. It's like with me and those women. I was a gentleman, and she overturned them every sense of the word in terms of the basics. When we would go out to eat, whether it was out in public or eat in their home, we didn't use the phone at all when we were talking and eating and laughing and listening to each other. Um, we held the door before each other. I remember putting my, you know, I had extra clothes so I could put my coat down on the ground and they could walk all over if it got too dirty. But I, I had a laundry. They had laundry mats in their home. So they were like, okay, put your, put your clothes in my laundry. And, um, I remember, um, taking their coat off, putting their coat on for them, standing and sitting, um, you know, standing, whether they were exiting or entering rooms, you know, it was time to give up my seat to them, I did, if we were just, we felt like taking the bus or just, you know, they would drive, so I was like, let's take the bus together, 
I would give up my seat to them or I would open their car door first and then they would drive me around. Um, I remember doing like gentleman stuff like I didn't curse a whole lot around them. I kept it to a minimum and when I did curse they were not offended because I didn't get carried away with it. And we refrained from um, the heavy usage of racial slurs and sexist slurs and just derogatory slurs. We weren't heavy with those words. And um, that's what I remember. I'm not defending anything we were doing because even though the gray areas exist, I don't want to promote um, broken vows and broken promises and broken oaths. I never want to defend those things because those things are trauma doctrines and trauma dogmas in and of themselves. So some people would be harsh and be like, y'all should have known better. If we did know better, we would not have done any of the things we, we were doing. We would not have said any things that we were saying. We would not have not we would not have felt any of the feelings that we were feeling, and we would have not have thought any thoughts that we were thinking. I know them like that, they knew me like that. So I just want to clarify that's what happened. I mean, we had a regular social life. We, the other people did, you know. They would feed me, clothe me, sometimes just give me money. Um, so there was, we had a sugar baby dynamic. That's why I didn't starve in college for a big reason. And um, we would just chill and hang and go places together. And um, sometimes drink. You know, drink together. Mimosa champagne, like I said in the other episode, and they really liked um, fruity drinks, fruity alcoholic drinks. We would drink those, but sip. But we would make sure not to get super drunk because we were sensitive to addictive personalities. We're like, we, we shouldn't, you know, we gotta slow down and not get addicted because addiction was a problem in our family. So we're like, we can't be doing that. And as for like porn and stuff, we didn't watch it a whole lot. We used it a little bit to help with our sex life. For the most part, we just really didn't. Uh, it was like spur of the moment every now and then sometimes. Like mainstream, this was before I knew of ethical porn. Um, And this is how these things happen when people are unhealed. And so, um, all these things happen because I saw all these things as a five-year-old with an organized crime. So that's why these things were sadly and tragically multiplied and duplicated in my early young adulthood life and 
I just wanna clear the air and say, despite what happened to me in organized crime, this is something that uh, I wanna say. I am naturally very polite, uh, speaking truth and love and kind in my behavior, my mind, my heart, my soul, and my body towards women and girls. And none of those things diminish those things about myself concerning women and girls. I am unselfish towards women and girls. I'm upright towards women and girls. I am knightly, gentlemanly towards women and girls. And me sharing these things enhances my chivalry towards women and girls for sure. Um, I enjoy behaving courteously towards women and girls in my verbalization and non-verbalization too. Um, I am well-mannered when it comes to women and girls too. I love being civil, polite, courteous, and gallant towards women and girls. I hate discourtesy towards women and girls. Um, and sharing this really heals so much because these things could really like free people because in organized crime I was taught their version of sowing your wild oats even if you're married or had a girlfriend it was done out of the toxicity of hypermasculinity is done out of extremely toxic masculinity. And so that's why I can talk about how these things are just dangerous to do. And um, I want to say that these, that's why the cautionary tales, um, are meant to be educational entertainment, edutainment, which means you want to keep learning more. And at the same time, the wisdom is electrifying you. And so this is wholesome satire that I'm giving to you all. That is why I talked about the adulterous bears 
that I heal every day from in my college years. But now I want to say, um, over and out, without a doubt. Real quick, I want to go back and say I look forward to participating in bisexual Bisexual pornography is a genre of pornography that most typically depicts men and at least one woman who all perform sex acts on each other. A sex scene involving women and one man who all perform sex acts on each other is generally not identified or labeled as bisexual, you know, it should be. Um, so I look forward to uh, participating in bisexual pornography and starring in it. Um, okay. I look forward to participating in and starring in gay pornography. Gay pornography is the representation of sexual activity between males. Its primary goal is sexual arousal and its audience. Okay, this, that means sexual acts between men. Look forward to doing uh, straight pornography, that means men, men sleeping with women, women sleeping with men. Look forward to please spending starring in that. Cisgender pornography means what you are assigned at birth is how you identify. And on the, that type of thing. Okay. So I look forward to starting straight porn, uh, cisgender porn. I look forward to starting in uh, transgender porn featuring transsexual transgender actors. That would be awesome. I look forward to doing monoracial porn where it's myself and black porn stars. I look forward to interracial porn with myself and non-black porn stars too. So I look forward to starring in internet pornography for sure. And um that's definitely me. Basically, I'm, I decided I'm going to be the greatest pornographic film actor ever. I'm going to be the. I'm going to be like. I'm going to be the pornographic performer legend of all time. I'm going to be the adult entertainer veteran of all time. And I'm going to be like the most global, the most iconic, the most famous, the most beloved, and most revered, and the most emulated porn star ever in the history of all history. 
Now I'm going to be the most positively memorable in pornographic films, pornos, erotic films, and sex.